Hey everyone, and welcome to the Tourism Tiger podcast. As tour and activity web design experts, we've got a lot of travel industry tips and information to share with you. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, it's Stephanie and I'm here with Tim. Hi guys. And today we are talking about a survey that we recently did of the Tourism Tiger staff. Uh, so I sent around a few questions just to gauge what they thought about tours, about tourism, about traveling, and all of that. And so I put together their answers and uh, some takeaway lessons for you from each each question that I asked. Were you surprised by the answers? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is predictable. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just know each other. We we yeah. know we spend all day together, so you just you start to, to learn things about people and, and uh, don't forget them. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> all right, so let's jump in. Um, this may be surprising, but the tourism tiger staff love to travel. When we're not living vicariously through your tour website's photos and descriptions, we're out in the wild seeing new places and making new memories for ourselves. We come from five continents, have lived in dozens of countries, and have traveled to countless places. So it's safe to say that we know about travel. We've written before about how to meet varied customer expectations, and now we're bringing you even more personal experiences to help you understand the needs and wants of a diverse group of travelers. So. Without further ado, our survey, the results, and what the answers mean for you. Awesome. Are you ready? I'm ready. I guess I think we should also say maybe to start that we are an office of expats. I'm not sure if we our are. clients or our listeners know this, but we are all based in Santiago. Mm-hmm. But we are all from around the world. So it's perhaps a good representation at least of the English-speaking world for traveling. It's true. I always forget when I need to uh, say where we're all from. I'm just, I have to go person by person and try to remember. <laughs> I think now we are from every English-speaking country New in the Zealand. world. Except for New Zealand. Oh, sorry, Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Very disappointing. Sorry, that was bad. That was the Australian in you coming I know, out. that was... You're like, they don't matter. They're a part of us. <laughs> Okay, so question one is, do you like going on tours while traveling? Five of us said yes, two of us said no, and a lot of us said, "Mm, it depends. So those yes people already like tours, and we can safely ignore their opinion here. So let's look at the people you have to win over. What can you do? Kata says to speak our language. She likes to take tours if she doesn't speak the language of the location, like uh, one time she took a walking tour of Florence, Italy. So, if your Chicago walking tour has a Portuguese option, then you'll get all of those tour-loving Portuguese speakers, but you'll also get Portuguese speakers who would go guideless in Lisbon. As for the no-boats, Saba prefers traveling on his own. He has total freedom, space for spontaneous trips, etc., Uh, But sometimes he wants a guide to show him through the sites. And Gareth says whether he's up for a tour depends on where he is. So what's the takeaway? Show people why they want a tour, not just why they want a tour with you. Yes, I mean, tours are expensive Mm -hmm. quite often, and we can't all have the luxury of traveling without a budget. 
True. Um, and I think, yeah, you really have to prove that not that your tour is specifically important to your clients, but, you know, as this shows, that you need to show that having a tour at all is important. Right, right. I, I think that's, that's very true because if you... If you're trying to get people to come on your tour who who typically wouldn't take a tour, you're never going to convince them that you're the best tour guide. No. Or you're going to convince them you're the best tour guide, but it's irrelevant to them. Yeah, exactly. So part of your job is just selling tourism, basically. <laughs> I think that's where kind of Carter's quote comes in so much relevance. Like, mm-hmm. when you are in a country where you don't speak the language, there is kind of a necessity to go on this tour and find out that history if you can't do it any other way and so I guess it's all about showing that necessity to everyone Mm -hmm. definitely okay question number two what was your favorite tour oh so if you if you want you can jump in and and guess who each of these people are so number one Margarita Venezuela stud travel in Ukraine that's got to be Sava was it Sava it's gotta be, but let me see. It was. Nice. It was. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, Valparaiso in Chile. I feel like Kata. No, that one was Andy. Ah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Then we have Karuna. Karuna. Sweden. Karuna. I'm not sure. That was mine, but I'm actually not 100 percent sure how to oh, pronounce him. it. <laughs> I would just say Karuna. Okay, okay. We can go with that. Could be very wrong. We have geysers in the Atacama Desert. Historic tours, just in general. A turtle sanctuary on the Galapagos. Oh, that's Kata. I think that was Gareth. What? (laughs) It sounds like Kata, but I think it was Gareth. Yeah, it was Gareth. Oh, wow. Yeah. That does sound cool. Yeah. Um, Sevilla, Spain. And anything dark tourism. So we've got a couple very general ones there. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find a lesson or a pattern here. We've got city tours, nature tours, architecture tours, and there's a lot of options. So we can safely discard the where and focus on the why. What is it that made these tours stand out to us? Andy loved her tour. She loved that it took her to amazing places, taught her about the locals and the history of Valparaiso, gave tips and insights on restaurants, hostels, attractions, and even nightclubs. So now she can go there on her own and she feels like she can pass along that knowledge to her friends and family. This is really key if you want locals and semi-locals to come on your tour. You need to give them information and help them feel like an insider. Bora's favorite tour was one that she went on in Spain. She went on a city walking tour, and although it was raining for the most part, the guides still managed to make it very interesting. They went through numerous sites in the city, and the guide was really engaging and knowledgeable about the history of each place they saw, and it was also really funny, which made the tour even more fun. So you can't control the weather, but that's another vote for being knowledgeable. And Tim, I'm going to speak for you here. Thank you. Tim agrees that insider knowledge is what makes tours great. So he stayed on a reindeer farm with a Sami, an indigenous Swede, and was able to experience his life for a couple of days. And Tim says the experience was like a fairy tale. And that's an experience he would never have without a tour company. No, it wasn't. And 
I think I'll just talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Basically, um, my friend found this online searching. It was one of the cheaper options of tours in, um, in kind of Swedish Lapland. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being with this indigenous Swede um, who spoke very little English, but he actually had an Australian who he had hired who kind of set up all the tourists like the I guess getting there and the equipment that we needed mm -hmm. and then he dropped us off in this house it was about an hour out of Karuna which is already quite a small town mm -hmm. and so we were like, there was snow everywhere reindeer like running around in this forest around us and when we first arrived they had kind of collected all the reindeer into a pen I'm not sure what the right word is for it um, this and is like an alley question from <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, but essentially they were, had the entire family of this man and they were taking, they each got to take a reindeer mm. to take, like to eat for, I'm not sure, the month, the week, however okay. long. Um, so in Sweden, only the indigenous um, people can farm reindeer. So I think it's similar, I'm not sure how it works in the US, but correct mm. me if I'm wrong, only um, Native Americans can own casinos. I really don't like that you put me on the spot like this, Kim, <laughs> but that sounds accurate. Um, we might have I to know, fact check that. I feel like in Las Vegas, obviously that's not true, but I know oh, where I'm from in Michigan, they're all on tribal land. Okay. There's something, so this is a similar, there's something within the law that kind of states that indigenous people are the only ones that have the right. Mm -hmm. So it was this entire family, our, the Swedish guy that we had, or Sami guy didn't speak any English really and he just kind of cooked for us and like pointed to places to go and just kind of walked around and kind of like we're just in this environment mm -hmm. as complete outsiders for 48 hours and it was yeah super memorable and not an experience that I could have had in any other realm I think yeah yeah all right so the takeaway from Tim's experience and the experiences that we talked about before is to know your stuff this should really go without saying, but our staff's most memorable tours were the ones where people knew their area and were able to share that knowledge. This is a low bar, and you should be able to soar above it. <laughs> should, well, you'd hope so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the whole idea of having a tour is, you know, providing this information or experience. Right, right. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, no one's booking a tour to make a friend. As much as that can be a bonus. Exactly. But... You're, you know, you're there to have that new experience or to learn something different. Yeah, I think you really nailed it there with the uh, someone who's who's uh, seeking friendship. Like that's that's a bonus. That's not what you're going for. No. All right. Next question: Have you ever taken a tour more than once? So I have taken an Auschwitz tour twice, and yes, that was me with the dark tourism answer uh, earlier. I thought so. So. You should have you should have called me I on that. I wasn't sure if there was a cockroach tour coming. Oh, <laughs> sorry, not this time. Uh, so why would I do that tour twice? And it's because I was living in Poland, and when people would visit, we'd go to Krakow, and they wanted to see it. So Sava and Kata agree. They have both taken tours multiple times. Sava liked his tour company, so he went with them again. To him, the company was more important than seeing a new place. And Kata was more like me. She's done the tour of Pablo Neruda's house with visitors, but she admits that she also just really likes seeing it again. 
That said, we're the only three on the team to have done the same two or more than once. This means that the vast majority of your business is going to be from one-off customers who you'll probably never see again. But you never know who is there to accompany a visiting friend or who might report back to their local friend. Or if you're really memorable and their friends are also travelers, you could get word of mouth recommendations. So I know that Tim, when he travels, he likes to set up a home base. So he probably wouldn't do your city walking tour twice, but he might do your walking tour and then later do your food tour. Yes, and I actually have done that before. Okay. So um, I was living in the Netherlands on exchange and when we first arrived, I did a walking tour of Amsterdam and I had a few friends visit during my time there and we'd go, obviously you go to Amsterdam as you go to Auschwitz, it's kind of right. the bucket list thing to do. That's different really experiences. <laughs> different experiences. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would take friends either to the places where we'd been on the tour or I would look up kind of the other two options of the same company and end up doing another one. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's completely true. I agree with this whole question. All right. So I'm not really sure of the takeaway here, but I do want to tell you to keep us repeat tourists in mind. Uh, I acknowledge we make up the minority though. Uh, that said, Andy still knows the name of the company that led her favorite tour. She hasn't repeated it, though she did do two tours in one day. She surely recommends them to people traveling to Valparaiso for the first time. Don't forget about us. <laughs> us repeat travelers. There are some of them. Yeah, there's a few of us, and even even if we're not, we're still valuable. I mean, that's I mean the whole point of reviews is offering that True. repeat customer experience or like the word of mouth experience. So yeah, yeah. You'd hope that people are giving people a positive experience or aiming to anyway. Right, right. Okay, next question. What is your favorite vacation spot? There was a good mix of answers here. Some cities, some countries, a lot of beaches, and even one person who preferred snowy holidays. Who is that crazy person? Right? It is Gareth. <laughs> what? Yeah, a really? ski holiday in France. Oh, wow. That's niche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy though. It's like, what is this? I'm sure we'd all like a ski holiday in yeah, France. Yeah, which of these did not fit with the rest? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that connected all of them was the people. Most of us mentioned the people who we were with as a reason for liking that location. So, I have a couple takeaways here. The first thing is that you can make a tour work anywhere because it will always be someone's favorite place. If you market your company correctly to the people interested in that type of place and type of tour, so an island, a nature, city tour, you'll find success. You don't have to compromise and do city tours if you're a country boy. The second takeaway is to make yourself one of those people who make a tour memorable. Andy still remembers the name and branding of a tour she took in her favorite vacation spot, and now she recommends it. This is especially important for leaving solo travelers with a good impression of your area. Kate tends to dislike tours, but she remembers the tour guide who she spent a day with in Istanbul. The tour itself doesn't stand out, but she has a great memory of having a coffee with the tour operator after the tour. I mean... That just goes back to what we said, I guess, you know, if you can make a friend, that's such a huge bonus. 
It is. It is. Do you have any kind of recent tour experiences that you can think of? Not a good one. Oh, <laughs> well, give us the bad one. <laughs> well, I was, in, I was in Buenos Aires, and um, I mean, I've, I've said before in these podcasts and my blog posts that when I take a tour, I, I try to think of the tour operator as like my my person, you know, like my local, and, yeah. and they can advise me. And so I was asking questions, like unrelated to the tour, but things that he should definitely know. Uh, I'd heard that you needed a passport to get um, a card to use public transportation there. And oh. I was like, I don't want to carry my passport around. And so I was asking him about it, and he just kind of blew me off. And he was like, well, you can just go to the, just go to the office and get one. I'm like, I know, but do I, do I need this stuff? And he was like, just go, and they'll tell you uh. everything. I was like, but you live here. And How I mean, did you get one? And if he's a tour guide. How many people do you see every day with yeah. the same question? And then he stopped us, and it was it was nice at first. He went into a lot of the um, current economic problems that they're having, mm. and it was it was very nice to hear from a local like their perspective on it and what's what's happening on sort of a ground level. But there's sort of a limit to it. Like at a certain point, he was kind of repeating himself, and it went on for. Uh, at least half an hour and it just got to the point where you realized like he was angling for tips mm. like he wanted you to feel bad for him like how much how much more uh. money you had because you were from the US and how lucky you are to travel and I thought I'm not from the US but, I mean I'm from the US but I'm not traveling yeah. from the US you know earning like a US dollar yeah mm. so I didn't like that he sort of presumed that about the whole group. Surely I'm not the only one in this situation. And also, like, I am a good tipper on yeah. tours. So I, mean, I didn't most need Americans the guilt trip. Yeah. yeah, I didn't need the guilt trip. <laughs> yeah, so, that's not what you're there for. Yeah, so uh -huh. not a great experience with this guy. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I guess make yourself memorable in the right way. Yes. What we yeah. should take away from that that's story. That's true, that's true. <laughs> A, the good kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next question is, do you prefer to go to the same place or new places? Mm -hmm. So there's no surprise here. People prefer going to new places. So let's just ignore those people. They might take your tour once and they might leave your views, they might leave your reviews or recommend you to people they know who will be traveling near you. But we know most people aren't repeat customers. So how do you get those people who are interested in returning back to the same vacation spot to come to you? Let's see what they say about going back. Kata says that often the places she goes to visit are so complex they deserve another visit, or they bring such wonderful simple pleasures uh, that she wants to go back. And Tim says, as we said before, his preference is to establish himself in a new place and use it as a base to travel. Jerzy says that he prefers to visit new places, but that it's okay to travel to a place more than once because you know the place better and you can start seeing it by yourself without a tour guide, which is a benefit to him because it's cheaper that way. Not a benefit to the tour guide, though. Not a benefit to the tour guide, <laughs> but certainly something to keep in mind yeah. if you're... If you're able to show the value of a tour and your tour, then you can maybe get people like Jersey to, to come on your tour, even though it is costing some of their vacation budget. Definitely. Yeah. 
So the takeaway from this question was that Kata has done tours multiple times and she goes back to complex places. She would sign up for a next level tour that goes deeper into the story. Tim and Georgie are happy to spend a lot of time in one location, either for a long period of time or on separate stays. So someone like them would benefit from a deeper tour as well, either to lesser known areas or day trips nearby. So Tim, I interpreted your thoughts based on your survey results here, <laughs> but would you say I was accurate? You were accurate, I would say. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for me, when I travel, I love, you know, seeing the kind of the bucket list and tourist attractions that you kind of have to tick off. Mm -hmm. And sometimes quite often they do feel like you're just ticking them off. Right. Um, and so it's nice to have that opportunity to, you know, truly get to know a place, the culture, the people, um, and that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so many places that we go to, we don't get the chance to go back there in other times right. in our lives. So I think, you know, really making the most of an experience or a location yeah. is, you know, kind of my motive when I'm traveling. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's good. And if, if you are going back to the same place and you are in the same city for a long time, you want more than the surface level. Definitely. Yeah. All of these questions come down to one main message in a word passion. If you're passionate about what you do, it will shine through. You don't need to reinvent yourself and force a fit. You will find people interested in whatever you are interested in. Don't move to the city because New York City walking tours do well. Stay on your mountain and lead hiking tours. Your passion for hiking and your home will show through and you'll get those like-minded tourists who want a mountain holiday. This is actually kind of exactly my experience in, in Sweden, you know? It, yeah. He was just kind of opened up his house to people to come and experience his life for a few days. Yeah. And I don't think he was doing anything different to what he'd do on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know, Tim. I think if he were not there, he probably wouldn't be pointing to yeah. here. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, you don't have to go out of your way. If you're passionate about what you do and mm -hmm. you think what you do is really interesting, people will see that passion. And we did. Like, we really enjoyed our experience. Yeah. Because it was, you know, his life. Yeah. And he really felt that. And he was the good kind of memorable. Yes, definitely. Yeah, which is what we want for everyone listening. No, yeah. <laughs> Only the best for our listeners. Always. <laughs> Trivia time. How long does it take a drop of water to travel the length of the Mississippi River? One week. And bonus points if you know the length of the Mississippi River. Where does do I have no idea where it runs? Can we look at the picture of that? Cheaters! Absolutely <laughs> not! <laughs> I'm gonna say three weeks. So why is a big river? Yeah. I'll go ten days. I'll see. I'll, I'll, depends how fast it flows as well. No idea. I'll see five days. I'll go short. I'll go short. And it's a big river, but five whole days. If I said you were all pretty far off, would anyone want to change their guess? <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone would want to, but are we able to? Yeah, I guess you guys did kind of submit guesses. So we're way off. Which way? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because five days can be less than five. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, it must be, it must be like months. Okay, I'm gonna go two months, 1,500 miles. Boom. Okay. 
I'll go five months and 12,000 kilometers. Oh, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that. Even though you're shaking your head. Go, Tails. Okay, so it takes about 90 days, um, so three months, and the Mississippi River is 2,348 miles or 3,700 kilometers long. You were not far off. I yeah, said two months. Alright, and then 1,500 miles. Yeah, right. Yeah, true, true. Off. 